Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. I work with a lot of leaders on how to build teams and strengthen collaboration. It's important because so many projects require cross-functional cooperation. We all know how unproductive silos and turf lines are, and we all also know that they exist, and many organizations perpetuate them. In this podcast, I want to share some of the competencies that are important for anyone who's leading collaborative efforts. These are competencies that are especially important if you're leading change. In the next podcast, I'm going to talk about obstacles, the things that get in the way of collaborative efforts. But for right now, let's talk about competencies for leading. Before I start, I want to remind you that growth happens on three levels, the individual, the team, and then the organization. Mastering these competencies is going to help you as a person and as a leader. They'll also strengthen the work of your teams and ultimately benefit the organization. Let's remember that organizations reach their goals by acting purposefully and intentionally. They reach their goals by forming strong internal and external partnerships. And I believe that most organizations have limitless potential for growth and development. Healthy, skillful collaboration between all elements of the enterprise is a really essential brick in the foundation. As each business unit grows in the capacity of collaborating for change, their collective work will cascade throughout the organization. I'm going to talk about 12 core competencies required for healthy collaboration. Number one is the ability to probe and to question. This is all about your ability to get beyond the surface and come to a deeper understanding of people, their perceptions, processes, services, systems, their experiences. When we're able to probe and question, we we are able to discover the subtle nuances of issues. Now, don't ask leading questions. For example, don't start your question with, don't you think? Because you're subtly saying either that you know what the person thinks or that you want to guide their thinking in a particular direction. Now, it's obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. Stay away from yes-no questions. Give people a chance to answer with real information on what they know, what they've experienced, what they feel, what they've seen, uh, what they want. Let them really have voice in their answers. Number two, the ability to thoughtfully consider perspectives. Once you're in the habit of probing and considering, you can more thoughtfully think through what you've learned from other people. Now, this requires you to suspend judgment and simply give another person the chance to share their perspective and then to give that perspective consideration. Considering other perspectives requires that you cultivate an open mind and a good deal of curiosity. Number three, the ability to disagree respectfully. Look, in the real world, we're not all going to agree. We're going to be in situations where we disagree with other people and where they disagree with us. That's just life. 
The trick in disagreeing is to do it without being so darn disagreeable. And that is something I just think we have lost track of in this country and in this world. But let me get back on. Let me stay off my tangent. You know, this skill is easier when you've built the capacity to consider other perspectives, which is what we just talked about. Now, let's acknowledge the fact that there are times more often for some of us than for others, when we get hot, when we're angry, when we're just ticked off. The temptation to speak from a place of anger or annoyance is real. If that's where you come from a lot, learn how to pause and take a deep breath. Try to just take a breath and compose your thoughts so that you're not tempted to be disrespectful and disagreeable. Let's move to number four. And that is the openness to systems level change. If you're collaborating to create major change in an organization, that requires change at the systems level. This means that you're going to look at the entire organization and all of its stakeholders. You'll need to become aware of the impact of processes, policies, procedures. You'll need the willingness to challenge everything that is sacred in the organization. Remember this, organizational systems are structures. They're structures. That's how work gets done. That's the structure is the way that the work gets done. So tackling a whole structure requires insight and openness. Number five, create a shared desire to intentionally seek transformation. When your collaboration is all about change, that means that you're working to transform the organization or the business units within the organization. Now, if that's the case, it helps to start with a shared understanding of what transformation means to each person. And this includes analyzing positions and perspectives. Once you do that work, you can begin to create shared interests and mutually beneficial agreements to focus on transformations. Number six, willingness to focus on tasks and relationships. I know that this gets tough because there's so much work that has to get done. But we all have to remember that work can't get done without people. The work gets done by and through the people. Recognizing that it's important to build healthy connections, healthy, healthy connections between and among people. It's important to know what drives the individuals that you're collaborating with. It's important to master the communication skills that are required for building good working relationships. Number seven, the ability to identify unproductive norms. If you've been listening to my podcast, you know that I am big on norms. And if you've ever been in one of my sessions or been a consulting client, you know that I believe very strongly that norms provide a framework for productive interactions. When you're leading a collaborative effort, you have to establish and co-create norms that enable everybody to function from a point of collective agreement. The best norms address the people and the process. And I did an earlier podcast on this topic. Check it out if you want to really explore norms. The important piece here is pay attention to the norms that are emerging and be certain that they are productive and that they foster good collaboration. 
which leads us to the next one, the willingness to challenge unproductive norms. As we keep thinking about norms, we have to note that when you haven't clearly established them at the outset, that's when unproductive norms are most likely to occur. Uh, Little things like showing up late for meetings, not having your camera on for virtual meetings, triangular communication, unhealthy conflict. When these norms start showing up, you, the leader, have to address them. You have to deal with them. You have to redirect behavior and establish the type of norms that will help the collaboration move forward. Next one up is number nine, and that is comfort with ambiguity. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew what was going to happen, how and when? I have a good friend, WJ, and he tells me my crystal ball is broken when I tell him what I know is going to happen. And he's right. My predictions seldom come true. So when we're leading collaborative efforts, work really hard to accept the fact that we can't know how things are going to turn out. We do our best, but we can't know what's going to happen in the organization, in the industry, with people. So get comfortable with ambiguity. Next one up is number 10, and that is all about role clarity. It's understanding role clarity. One sure way to create confusion is to have a lack of understanding of who's responsible for what. You need to know what's expected of each team member, what's expected of you as the leader. Does everybody know what they need to do to fulfill their roles? Spend time on the front end to clearly delineate roles and responsibilities. Number 11 is near and dear to my heart, and that is commitment to ongoing learning, development, and skill building. Learning should never cease in our personal lives or in our professional lives. When you're leading collaborative efforts, you've got to integrate various forms of learning into your processes. This may mean having people from other parts of the organization teach on a process, a technology, or something else. It may mean watching TED Talks together. It may mean inviting team members to train the rest of the team on something they're good at. There's so many ways to keep the learning going. Make it a focus and make it a priority. Number 12, the ability to reflect on your beliefs, your behaviors, and your assertions. Now, this can be tough. We all come to collaboration with our own preferences, our ideas about how things should be done, how they can be done. We all come with our own biases and our own blind spots. Part of the work that's required to collaborate well is the ability to look inward and examine which of our personal beliefs is limiting us and which are limiting the team. You know, this takes us back to that very first component of emotional intelligence, and that's self-awareness. Remaining self-aware isn't easy, but it sure is necessary. Recognizing the fact that the capacity to collaborate begins on the individual level, which of these competencies are your strengths? And in which of them do you need to grow? You know, those are both important considerations. Each competency it represents a developmental opportunity. If you know you're strong in one of them, make the commitment to helping colleagues develop in that area. 
The first way to do that is to continue being a role model. The second way to do it is to use that competency as a norm when you're conducting meetings and other gatherings. Create your own ways to help others develop in all of these core competencies for collaboration. I'm going to wrap this up. You got 12 tips, 12 tips that you can use to up your game on collaboration. Doesn't matter if you're a team member or a team leader, these competencies are going to help you get more done and get more done collectively. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.